Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. I am here finally with our pal, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. Hi, Tom. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. You have been a busy man. You've got, no. you've got a lot of Breaking Health podcasts coming your way, listeners. So, so buckle up. It's going to be fantastic. Right. We've got a bunch of them in the can, as they say in the business, that's, Tom. That's what we say in the business. You're, you're just, <laughs> you've learned the lingo. This week's guest is uh, Gil Otto. He's the CEO and co-founder of Rubicon MD. So uh, yes. give us the, the breakdown on Rubicon MD. There's lots of fun you can have with that name. Yeah, well, crossing the Rubicon, right? Something happened back in the Roman, right? Wasn't that Caesar? He crossed the Rubicon and went on to become emperor. So, I will, um, I will ask Alaska, Alexa after. Uh, after. It's uh, Vinny, Vinny Vici, right? Yeah. <laughs> I came, I saw, and I conquered. There you go. We're amazing. So um, I, the idea of Rubicon MD is is really interesting, and, and, it, and it basically is, is there to try to enable primary care doctors to get access to e-consults from specialists so that you can more effectively leverage um, the, the relationship between the primary care doctor and the patient uh, through um, spe- higher speed and higher quality of care by getting you know experts' opinions that you'd otherwise have to make an appointment and, and wait to go see. And it, uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's... It's got a very effective um, uh, approach um, to what is a very real issue, especially depending on, on what market you're in. But uh, in markets that are dominated by specialty care, you know, patients can often find themselves bouncing around from primary care to specialist to specialist back to primary care. And if you can consolidate that work uh, into the primary care relationship, that's always a good idea, and it's been an idea that's proven itself to work in sort of many past applications um, of the approach. Excellent. Well, that is a great overview. This also has an embarrassing appearance by uh, by yours truly. Uh, people oh, did can... you get that in? <laughs> I think I will. It was kind of humorous. You're going to leave it in? So, you mean the part where you actually like busted into the conference I call? Busted, and... uh, well, well, I wouldn't want to ruin it for our listeners, Steve. So let's uh, let's get into the conversation with Gil Otto, the CEO and co-founder of Rubicon MD. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I am here with Gil Otto, CEO and co-founder of Rubicon MD. Welcome, Gil. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to meet you, a guy. Boston guy that went to New York, so we have that in common, and that we're we're New Yorkers, um, and uh, spend a little bit of time in Boston, right? So, absolutely. A lot of times, people uh, there's there's a lot of different reasons why really smart people start a company, and then there's often special reasons why people start a company that's in the healthcare area. I, I know your education was in uh, biopharmaceuticals and so forth, but what was it about starting a healthcare company? What was it that made you want to start a healthcare company? To sort of a, get a little bit of understanding of how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's really twofold. It's uh, interest in the kind of 
uh, math science side of things that got me um, pushed me towards healthcare, and I really cut my teeth on the, as you mentioned, the uh, biotech pharma side of the world, um, and then a passion for providing better access uh, to to really healthcare, um, really allowing people to get better access in their community setting to the right right type of care. So. Um, I, I'm from Connecticut originally, um, grew up there, I had a father from Ghana, a mother from Barbados, like I said, I'm just from Connecticut, um, but I've lived all over New England as we, as we talked, been a number of years um, in Boston, um, but with math, science, um, geek type growing up, um, studied biomedical engineering in college, did my undergrad at Yale. Um, was really just going down the, the, the path of being a researcher um, and then decided I wanted to um, transition and try, try this space of business, um, added an economics major, applied to business school, um, really just kind of pivoted to try to get to the business side of healthcare. Um, was able to do that, ended up going to do my MBA at Harvard I, uh, between undergrad and business school. Um, I deferred admission and worked for Xerox doing investor relations. Um, once I got to business school, I was looking to just get back to the things I was doing um, on the science side of things, but really doing those up from a business perspective. So um, I ended up leaving uh, business school and going to work in uh, consulting for life sciences, so pharma and biotech consulting. I did that for a couple years, and I left there in 2013 um, to really focus on this idea and this passion I had for providing better access to care. So I'll take a step back. So I was growing up, um, I had a grandmother that was based in Barbados. She developed a brain tumor. Uh, she traveled up to Boston for surgery. Um, so many of my trips back and forth to Boston where I have a lot of family were early in my life and continued on. Um, but she had surgery in Boston and then went back and forth between Barbados and Boston for the next five plus years. Um, and that was my first kind of exposure to um, tertiary care and a lot of parts of the healthcare system and how it all fit together. So it kind of inspired in me an interest in really figuring out how do you export the expertise that sits in places like Boston and these hubs and a few square miles East side out into the communities where it's necessary and valuable. Um, so how do you build a platform or technology to export that? Um, that was the initial interest, um, and that's what Rubicon MD became. Um, what we do is really simple. Um, we just allow primary care providers to be that conduit um, to connect specialist expertise to the community. Um, so we believe that primary care is a foundational building block to healthcare. Um, and we empower them by connecting them to a network of specialists that we've built um, across the country. Um, so you would go see your primary care. They'd have an, um, an issue that could use specialist expertise. We will get an opinion from them, and that will come back to the primary care provider who will um, share it out with the patient and manage next steps. So when I, uh, when I think about the name Rubicon, right, and, I mean, obviously it's a river, et cetera, but it, it always is something that I always think about, like you cross, it's something you cross and can never go back from, right? 
Is that is that where the name came from, or was it just a cool name? Did it did it have an implication in the way you thought about the way you were feeling when you started the business? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So, uh, you know, the the idea of crossing kind of it's, as you mentioned, it's a river um, that Caesar crossed when he was invading Rome. And, you know, the idea of crossing the Rubicon is you're um, entering this kind of uncharted territory or going where um, going where people haven't gone before. And it was this phrase, essentially, that die has been cast that Caesar uttered at that point. Um, so we, we think we're crossing a metaphoric Rubicon for healthcare. This is a point of no return. We're in a new era, um, all those good things. Um, but it. It also is a pretty cool word that I liked, um, and I took six years of Latin. Um, so this is probably the only place that that, that training has shown up. Um, so at least it was, it was good for something. Hey, everyone. Tom here. Pardon the interruption of the interruption. This was the point of the conversation where I dialed the wrong conference call line and inserted myself into Steve's great interview with uh, Gil. Fortunately, it didn't play out as funny as I'd hoped. So we cut it out. But uh, don't you get cut out of attending the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which is happening on October 11th in Boston. Go to dhis.net to register. This thing sells out, so don't wait too long. Now let's get back into this great interview. Have you found a lot of people willing to cross this Rubicon with you, given that, that generally speaking in healthcare, there's not a lot of freewheeling activity going on when you present this idea how are people responding, and, and are, is there re- general reluctance or excitement? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of excitement. I mean, we we've experienced it for many years, and I know you've experienced it for many more years. But healthcare moves slower, um, but we found a nice niche where um, the market is really excited, and there's a ton of innovation in primary care and kind of tech tech enabled health plans um, and support it, supporting great primary care. So. We started, um, I mentioned in 2013, we started very small. Um, so our first customers were um, groups called direct primary care. So these are small practices that are uh, largely membership-based, either through your employer or um, through you as a patient. You'll pay a flat fee for unlimited access to primary care. Um, and the pitch there is we can do primary care really well. And if you do primary care really well, you can handle 90 plus percent of the care um, in healthcare or manage 90 plus percent of the care. Um, and so we allow them to manage another 40, 50 um, or four or five percent of care by actually enabling them to connect with specialists. So we started there. Our first customer was a group called Iora Health um, and they were small at the time. Uh, they're much larger now, but their growth became our growth, and we were able to learn and develop in a really nurturing environment. Um, they're still one of our best and most loyal customers, and we're at all their sites across the uh, country. Um, but we slowly moved our way up market. So um, those were early innovators, um, and then we caught you know, some of the larger managed care plans or managed care groups, um, and they were really innovative primary care groups and they had this managed care arm behind them and we were able to grow into those um, groups as customers and then to regional health plans and then to national health plans. Um, And it was 
we lucked into it, um, but it was a really nice progression because over time we accumulated data and proof points to show that this worked um, and we were able to refine our product and really help it um, tailor or help tailor it to meet the needs of primary care providers. Um, and so when we got to those largest plans and to national plans, we were ready for it and we had been able to kind of sustain ourselves and develop revenue um, over time um, to withstand some of these notoriously long sales cycles. So um, we, we've been able to get uh, we've been able to get traction, and I think there's been a lot of excitement and investment and innovation in primary care, and we capitalize on that. Right, we're just an innovation to support great primary care. So it's been uh, it's been fun, and there've been. Uh, uh, a lot of people willing to cross the Rubicon um, over time, and we think there are a lot more. Well, Rashika you know. was on the on the from my aura was on the, the podcast about a year ago, so what we we got a sense oh, for fantastic. yeah we got a sense for his business model, but I just want to understand what 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 you're doing um, a little bit more specifically. So, the idea I'm uh, I'm gathering is to offer high availability of specialty. Um, knowledge in healthcare. Is that the idea? Is that the way, the way to think about it sort of in summary? It is. This is, yeah, this is kind of a knowledge arbitrage. You're getting access to that expertise that's needed at that moment. Um, so the, 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 the way the flow works, um, a patient will go and see their primary care provider. If there's something that that's outside of that provider's expertise, typically they'd send you to somebody else. Um, what we allow them to do is just upload anything that's relevant to our platform, labs, studies, um, x-ray, imaging, and just ask a question. We'll figure out the best match specialist uh, from a panel, and then we'll send it to them, and they'll provide a response back in a few hours. And that response will come back to the primary care provider, and they'll use it to manage um, care for the patient. Um, so the idea and the, the model behind this is what we found is almost half of the things that go to a specialist could be managed in primary care with the appropriate support. And so we're offering that appropriate support. And when you do need to go see a specialist, we make sure you get to the right specialist at the right time with the right labs and studies. So essentially, have you, you've had to have you had to build a panel of specialists to work with you? Is that how is that how you do this? We have, we have. So we we've, we've built a panel that covers 130 um, plus specialties and subspecialties. So the idea is almost anything that a primary care provider would have a question on, uh, we can provide a response. So, just um, knowing knowing healthcare the way I do. Um, it's not clear to me that, that it's clear to me it's it's a very good model for care. It's it's not clear to me necessarily what what's in it for the specialists from an economic point of view. Are they are they losing patient visits here and 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 how are they how are they working with you so that it's of economic benefit to them as well? Yeah, uh, the punchline is we pay them. Uh, the, that that's kind of what, what's in it for them. Uh, well, we figured out, so when we started to look at the value chain um, uh, across referrals, um, what you figure out very quickly is that the most expensive kind of piece of that value chain is the specialist. So how do you get access to their expertise 
um, in the most cost-effective way, and that's how we built the platform. So this takes about five, 10 minutes of the specialist time, and we pay them for time. Um, they're getting a question, they're getting a package, um, kind of vignette um, that they're responding to. Um, they can respond via mobile app, you know, or web-based tool. Um, they get it into their email, um, and then they provide their, their response back, um, and then primary care manages um, from, that, from there. And so we, we pay the specialists, we pay them for their um, time, um, and then we, we get paid by whoever's um, on the hook for specialist costs. So typically that's your health plan. Um, in many cases, that can also be your health system or in the case of groups like Iora Health where they're taking on risk, um, it can be the at-risk provider organization. So is there a special, well, I get, I totally get the model with Iora, right? They're basically accessing medical information at a much, much lower price and a much, with a much quicker re, response time than other, than they'd otherwise get. And if they're at, at risk for that, that the professional services piece, or even, even more than that, uh, this benefits them. Um, is there a, is there a way to, to, to work this into a general health benefit? So are you seeing... Um, corporations interested in this or standard or, or just a general health plan that's managing risk where uh, where is the primary market for you outside of the capitated provider market yeah our primary market is health plans all right um, so yeah so we sell to the, the health plan your health plan will pay for this um, and then we'll go and roll out with the primary care providers we roll out by geography um, We'll bring on the primary care providers in a given region, um, and they'll get essentially a tool that covers all of the needs that they are typically complaining about. So, you know, the difficult to get access to specialist expertise. Many of them are practicing on an island, um, limited support, um, and this is meant to be a tool to really help primary care. That's what we that's what we designed it as. We think primary care is the fundamental and foundational building block of our healthcare system. And so this is a tool to support um, them and allow them to provide more comprehensive care um, in, in the community. Um, so we'll roll it out with them. Um, and then, as I mentioned, um, we'll pay the specialists for the time that it takes them to provide responses. So we believe it's a win-win-win. Plan sees um, cost savings, um, primary care, um, allows them to provide better care locally for their patients. Um, specialists see um, payment for their time, and they only deal with the things that they need to see in person. Um, and then, of course, at the center, this is the patient. And for patients, you don't have to travel for costly, unnecessary specialist care. You don't have to wait weeks and months to get in to see a specialist. You get in there, uh, you get the opinion within hours. Um, and it's theoretically more tailored and targeted to whatever um, the issue is at hand. Um, and so this is more patient-centric primary care. So are you East Coast, West Coast, everywhere? Where's the primary concentration today of the business? Yeah, um, about half of our business is on the West Coast. Um, there's just been uh, a great deal of excitement and investment around um, e-consults, which is what we do. Um, and so Rubicon MD is national. We're in 35 states, but 
the primary kind of um, not primary, I should say the um, the largest base of Rubicon's and these customers are on the uh, West Coast, and uh, we took an investment from the California Healthcare Foundation in 2016, late 2016, uh, to really grow in uh, Medi-Cal, which is the California um, Medicaid population, and better support them um, and improve access to specialist expertise. Um, so we're in uh, much of Northern California and Central California um, there, and then we're expanding in a few other geographies of, of focus. Totally makes sense. So, you know, a lot of the people that listen are entrepreneurs, people starting their healthcare companies. And, you know, look, the idea sounds awesome. Um, so, obviously, the right idea, the right concept is probably step one to creating a su successful business. But I'd be curious if you're willing to share, like, as you were starting to get this thing up and running, uh, what, what challenges did you find that you ran into and how were you able to overcome them? Yeah, um, it's probably too long for the podcast for all the challenges, <laughs> but um, some sort of consolidated yeah, so, version of challenges would be cool, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Rubicon MD uh, is obviously up there, not obviously. Um, to build Rubicon MD, we were building in a, a business model innovation, right? So primary care providers have interacted with specialists before, and e consults have existed before us. Um, and so what we were doing was trying to commercialize and scale e-consult. Um, and so that required really focus around aligning incentives. Um, so we had to spend a good amount of time understanding that value chain and how could you fit into it and get specialist expertise in an efficient way, uh, but also build a model that pays the specialist for their time um, and credits primary care for the effort that they take as well. Um, and so that was the first challenge that we encountered was really making sure that that fit. Um, but once we'd aligned that, those incentives and found a, a place um, to, to, to make that work, um, it was a question of, you know, who's going to buy this? Um, a lot of people in healthcare that this can benefit, um, but somebody's got to pay for it. Um, and so I talked a little bit before about the path that we took where we started smaller um, with groups like Iora Health and we were able to expand um, kind of in concentric circles out to larger and larger groups till we were able to, till we got to national health plans. Um, and so that was the path, that was the solution to how do you get this out and get somebody to, to pay for it. Um, and how do you get the, the, which is the corollary to that is how do you collect enough data um, that people are willing to pay for it? Um, and how do you withstand these long sales cycles? Um, so I think that being able to withstand sales cycles in, in healthcare is, as an entrepreneur, if you're selling some sort of digital health solution into the um, enterprise, um, that's, that's one of the keys. And how do you hack to, to shorten those? Uh, so one of the things we did early on was we began to form partnerships with groups that added credibility. So we took an early investment from Athena Health. Um, and so Athena Health is a large EHR um, company. Um, so Rubicon MD could sit on top of the EHR and we could get that out to primary care providers. So there was a technical service component, but we were also able to get credibility and scale. Um, and that early investment um, really gave us the credibility to, to win some enterprise level customers that we 
probably otherwise wouldn't have. So we rolled out last month with San Francisco General or the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Right. As I'm now told, I have to I have to refer to it. Very by. good. Very good. Um, yeah, and so that a rollout like that for us, um, we signed a contract with them last year. That wouldn't have been possible without the credibility that you get from having larger partners and being showing that you could do this, and you you have the discipline and the um, infrastructure to be able to support a low enterprise customer. So um, that was really important. That was key for us to get to some of these more um, more mature customers um, early on. Um, and then there's, you know, you're starting a company. The last thing I'll say is just a personal toll that that takes. You gotta, you've got to be willing to kind of hustle and show, show a degree of grit. Um, and I don't know how we hacked for that. I think we just kind of <laughs> stuck stuck with it. Uh, my co-founder um, Carlos, um, you know, very similar background to me, was a biomedical engineer by training and um, had done his MBA at Harvard and had worked in tech for a few years before um, we started the company. Um, so I think we were just really really motivated to hustle and really cared and really passionate about the mission that we. Um, we were working against, and so uh, I don't, there's not there's not much you can do there other than solve a problem that you care deeply about um, and you believe has to be solved. And I think we were we were fortunate that the problem we're solving is a big one and it's an important one, and the solution that we've developed is one that the market um, cares about and is 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 well re- receptive to. Never uh, never underestimate the value of grit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's probably the probably the, the the one thing that people should take away is that's probably the the most important thing. So, uh, last question: uh, technological was it was it a techno was it a, was it a technologically straightforward for you to develop the solution? I'm sure that you've got to do a bunch of accounting work. You've got to figure out who you're talking to, figure out how to charge for it, transmit information safely. Uh, across electronic networks and so forth. What were some of the technology problems, or if any, that you felt you had to overcome? Yeah, um, we did have to work with this thing called HIPAA. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, this little thing. So, uh, you know, I think probably just for the benefit of staying, so HIPAA, um, you know, privacy protection um, is the kind of name of the game in making sure that um, PHI or protected health information um, is just that, protected. Um, and you know that's patient patient's name, their any identifiable um, information <clears throat> as it pertains to to a patient. Um, so we had to we had to build in the appropriate security infrastructure. We had to do that early and upfront, um, and that was important. That's that, that's just a cost of doing business in healthcare and being a responsible actor. Um, so we had to do that. Um, that was a key to the early stack. Um, we're building a, you know, a messaging platform. Um, I, I mean, messaging in the broadest sense, in that this is communication between two providers, um, and so you have to make the interface fit into the workflow. And so one of the things that we do is we integrate with electronic health records. And so it's important for our business that you are exactly where the providers are. So that means integrating with the EHR, that means having a web-based tool that's easy to use, that means having a mobile app, and we support Android and iPhone, being wherever primary care would have, uh, would would be and want to ask a question, we want to meet them there. Um, so there's a non-trivial challenge to 
be able to build something that is intuitive and works across several platforms where you can start something on one and finish it on another and work with work across several platforms. Um, and so that was another key kind of technological tech challenge. And then um, we invest heavily in our data. Um, and so there's a lot of things that are exciting that we're doing there. Um, we announced something called Instant Insights, which allows us um, as a business to basically take the data that we're collecting and be provide that out to primary care providers as a learning tool. So you can start to look and see, you know, what are other um, primary care providers asking as questions and what are specialists responding to? Um, and what are their, or excuse me, what are their responses? To them? And that's really valuable because you can start to look and see and understand that connection between primary care and specialty care and what's really being said around um, around the management of key conditions. Well, very good. I, I, we're, we're, uh, we're up against our time here. I really appreciate uh, you speaking with us. It seems like a, a, a great solution, it, you know, just in talking with you. Technologically, it's, it's all often interesting, right? You know, something that seems like a great idea. The next thing you know, you actually have to build it, and then you sort of begin to have to realize all, yeah. the, all the various pieces that you have to put, put in place once you get pe- past sort of a minimum viable product stage to keep it, keep it going. Yep. Um, but just, uh, just, yeah. as a, just as a last comment, let, pe- let people know how they can get in touch with you, where they can find you. Are you, tw- are you a Twitter guy? Are you uh, blogging, uh, re- website, et cetera? So, so where, where's the best place to go yeah. to get insights well, on what you're doing? Yeah, I'm an aspiring Twitter guy. Um, so you can find me um, in the Twitterverse uh, at Gil Addo, uh, G-I-L-A-D-D-O. Um, you could also find Rubicon MD at Rubicon underscore MD. Uh, you can find us um, online, RubiconMD.com. Um, and you could also come to our pages on other social media as well. Very cool. Gil, nice to meet with meet with you and speak to you. I appreciate your time. Thanks again. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Steve Grupa, great to have you back. Breaking Health Podcast listeners, thanks for your patience. I know we've been a little erratic with the uh, production of the podcast, but as we mentioned at the top, we've got a bunch of great interviews in the can, as we say in the industry, and they'll be coming your way. So uh, stay tuned. Don't forget also to sign up for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which is happening on October 11th in Boston. Go to dhis.net to register. That's it, folks. Once again, we'll be back next week with another great tale of innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast.